Welcome to the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by our good friends from Hy-Vee and Toyson Ford. Dan Casper here with you, as always, for every episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Our good buddy Brandon Berg going to be joining me here in just a second. I want to talk some brewers with him, with uh, the Gary Sanchez signing, and pitchers and catchers getting close to reporting for the brewers. Some teams already getting there. But uh, I do want to talk a little Brewers since we have Brandon in, since he's our Brewers guy. But it is the podcast before the Super Bowl. So let's talk about that and make our picks. Superb Owl. Uh, We've got the 49ers, Chiefs. Um, I don't want to ask this question. I know some people have been asking this question, but, you know, who needs to win more? It seems like everybody asks that question, or who's under the most pressure to win? I to me, if we even throw that out there, that's clearly – I think it's Kyle Shanahan. Yes. You know, I think that's – that's. if both of these coaches had never won before, then maybe you have right. a Right. If, if the Chiefs win, nothing really changes for Mahomes or for Reed or any of those guys. But right. if, if the uh, 49ers lose, obviously, then you're just going to wonder, like, well, mm-hmm. is it going to happen? Right. So I think it's clearly Kyle Shanahan – you know, if he if the 49ers lose this game, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more conversations about, you know, maybe similar to how Andy Reid started off his career. I know he only went to one Super Bowl with the Eagles, but he lost that one. It was kind of kind of with the tag of maybe the best coach without a Super Bowl. I think that's fair to say. You know, we always have, like, the best player without a championship or the best golfer to not have a major. Kyle Shanahan's probably in that boat, I would say, maybe best coach without a championship. Maybe a lot will depend on how this game goes. You, you know, so um, it still feels like I think a lot of people just kind of assume he was the coach for Atlanta when they felt yeah. it to the Patriots because of the offensive collapse in, in that game. But when you look at this game, and, and here's – so I'm just going to tip my pick right now. When I see this game, I look at the 49ers are a slight favorite by by odds makers out there. You look at it on paper, they got – Probably more talent across the board. Chiefs have the advantage at quarterback. Brock Purdy's had a good year, though. But I also feel like the 49ers are the team, even though they're the favorite, they're the team that's under the most pressure heading into this game, which kind of seems weird. I don't know how many times have we seen that, Brandon, where we've had that team that's the favorite, but maybe also under the most pressure to, to win that. I feel like that's rare. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... It's kind of a unique spot because, you know, at this point, like, to me, like, the Chiefs have very quickly become obviously kind of this generate not just generations, but this era's, ah, see what I did there, um, mm-hmm. uh, Patriots, and that, like, even, like, as much as you want to try to find a way to write them off, you really, you can't. Because, I mean, right now they've got the best coach and the best quarterback, and that's always a very good place to start. But, you know, for the Patriots, especially, I think, for the 49ers, because, I mean, you can make a very good case that they could have lost either of the first two games. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were down in both. Yeah. In the second half. Yep. You know, and obviously we know what happens with Green Bay, but then with, with Detroit, like you can you can kind of see the the script where it doesn't go well for them. Right. Yeah. I just I feel like this is going to be a 
close game or a decent game. I mean, it feels like that, right? It feels like it should be, we won't know, but like a classic because there's a lot of, the Chiefs' defense is just phenomenal. Steve Spagnuolo, I you know, I know they did the awards last night for assistant coach, and Jim Schwartz won it for 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 the Browns. I honestly feel like if they included the postseason, Spagnuolo probably would have won it. I agree, and I think it kind of gets overlooked. You look at what he had last year with that defense—a lot of first-year, second, you know, young dudes up there—and he's doing it again with a lot of young players up there. So you look at that for you know the Chiefs, it's always Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, and I still feel like people are overlooking or maybe not giving enough credit to the defense for how well they've played this year and being in this position right now. The defense is the reason they're in this position. Yeah. I mean, you look at what they did to the Ravens, you know, defensively, and obviously I know the Dolphins were banged up and weather probably affected that there too, but... And then Buffalo, everybody's favorite pick heading into the postseason. It's the defense that's why they're. It's not, not to downplay Patrick Mahomes because Travis Kelsey had a fantastic game against the Ravens too. I honestly feel like this game is going to be decided by coaching. Like who's going to have the best game plan in this thing? Can Andy Reid resist the urge to do a trick play <laughs> to uh, Mark, uh, Mike, uh, uh, Michael Hardman near the goal line? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, to me, it's like you mentioned Andy Reid and you mentioned Steve, you know, we were talking about Steve Spagnuolo. You look at the game plans that that guy puts together week in and week out. It's like something new every time. I, I just, I can't say enough about how he has kind of adapted throughout his career. A lot of times with these coaches, these older coaches, it just seems like that they're stuck in their ways, they don't adapt. Andy Reid's completely different on that. And then on the flip side, you got Kyle Shanahan, who's viewed as one of the better offensive-minded coaches over there too. How is he going to put Brock Purdy and his offense in a position to succeed against that very good Chiefs defense? That, to me, is the matchup here. It's not 49ers defense, which they've got a lot of talent going up against Andy Reid. I feel like it's going to be the 49ers offense and Kyle Shanahan Calling plays against Steve Spagnuolo's defense—that to me is a deciding one. I agree, and yeah, I mean, I also think that you know another guy that kind of to go off what you mentioned—that's going to be kind of kept a close eye on Steve Wilkes mm-hmm. because that you know that defense for the 49ers, you know, he's he's kind of had his moments where people have kind of questioned a little bit. Yeah. I know there was some questioning, and, and this is a while ago, obviously, but after they lost to the Vikings, where like there was just some play you know, calls where it's like, "What are you doing?" Like mm-hmm. you know, and. and Look, the defense in the first two games of the postseason, like it's it's gotten got at times. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I mean, is it fair to say that if the Vi- or if the like if the Forty Nineers would have lost the Lions, maybe Steve Wilkes doesn't have a job? Potentially. Do yeah. they? Do I they think that, that might be. You know, you know, if it was continuing that way, yeah, like know? if it, yeah, the way the game was going at one point for Detroit, I mean, it's very possible. Mm-hmm. So, and that's probably a guy too that's. Okay, if we want to talk about pressure, maybe Steve Wilkes is the guy that's under the most pressure heading into this game. Could be. With how his defense is played, how does he slow down Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Isaiah Pacheco? Inevitably, you know, that, that one really important deep pass that Marquez Valdez-Scantling will catch. Right. Because he's good for the, he's good for that one, and it's just it comes at the perfect time, seemingly. Mm-hmm. It's just, it boggles my mind to see how Travis Kelsey seems to always get open. I mean, wide open. I mean, that's 
it's got to be frustrating as heck as a defensive coordinator. That's where I feel like Andy Reid's always kind of one step ahead of everybody out there. And I don't know what, what the plan's going to be. And it's a lot of zone and such, so it'll be interesting to see. And I think a lot of it, though, is because of the that nonverbal communication Mahomes and Kelsey have with each other. Yep. You know, it's not where a lot of these guys, okay, they got to run that certain route and that's where they got to go. It's similar to like Rodgers and Jordy, Rodgers and Devontae, I would say, that non those really good connections you have. Yeah. I think a lot of that plays into, you know, that whole question of like, well, how is that guy always open? I bet you there's a lot of, um, uh, what do you want to call it? Maybe running the routes that weren't necessarily called. Right, there's a little bit of ad-libbing. Ad-libbing is but what I was they, they just know, like, they work together so well that they can do it. And I think that's why it puts, that's going to put a good amount of pressure on Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw. Mm-hmm. You know, those linebackers, because, I mean, they're good coverage linebackers, but that's probably going to be a, a decent chunk of their responsibility is, you know, you got to kind of know where this guy is if you're, if you're you know, dropping. Mm-hmm. So I think for a key player, key person for each side, I think for me, 49ers is going to be Steve Wilkes and how he calls the defense. You can't start off how you did these last couple of games because I feel like if you do that and you've put your team in a hole, Chiefs are the team that's not going to let you come right, back. Right, that's by far the best defense of the three. Right. that's They're not going to let you come back. So on the Chiefs side, for for me, the who would be the game or the, the key key person in this whole thing? It might... Could, is it is it fair to say is it Chris Jones if he can wreak havoc on Brock Purdy? Because I feel like I, if Brock Purdy's under pressure, it changes a lot. Well, I think especially for or maybe it's Christian McCaffrey to help Brock, out. You know, for Brock if you get pressure up the middle, like there's just there's no substitute when when it comes to defense for just getting good interior pressure because it mm-hmm. just messes everything up. Like you get a good guy coming off the edge, you can still kind of step up in the pocket and maybe make a throw. But if you know, especially look, Brock's not the biggest guy in the world. You get you know Chris Jones coming up right up in your face, like yeah. you know. Because one of the weaknesses for for the 49ers this year has been interior they're, line. They're better on the edges, obviously Trent Williams. You know, yep. They're better on the edges than the interior of the offensive line. Right. So yeah, maybe it is Christian. I mean, I just feel like again, this is going to be this game is going to be decided by the game plans and the play calls. It's and, a coaching game. And another thing too to factor in, and I know my answer to this as it, when it comes down to kickers, who do you have more faith in, Jay yeah. Moody or Harrison Butker? You know, yeah. Butker. You know, Mooney's has struggles. Butker's. You know. He's not Justin Tucker, but he's in that top echelon of kickers. And he's been there before. Yeah, yeah, he's been there. Yeah, he's, he's made some he's big kicks it. before. Yep. Right. So, so we both know who we're picking. Yeah, because we. we put our names already up on the uh, on the marker board here. But uh, I'll give you the honors first, sir. Well, thank you, sir. I am going to go with Kansas City. Okay. And kind of like I alluded to earlier, like they're just a team at this point. Like I'm, I'm done. Picking them to lose, like the last, I picked them to lose to Buffalo because my Super Bowl was Buffalo and San Francisco. I picked at the start of the year, yep. and then last then two weeks ago, I picked them to lose to Baltimore. I'm just I'm done doing that. You're done so doing that. I'm I you're, will take the Chiefs twenty three twenty. You're done doubting Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And... I am done doubting Jarek McKinnon. There you no. go. But yeah, twenty three twenty. I'm. It's funny you say that you're done doubting. I've also been against Kansas City for the last couple of games, not the Miami one, because um, I think we all felt like that was just felt like the writing was on the wall that Miami was done. I've been saying I think this is coming down to coaching. I'm actually comfortable in saying this. Kansas City's going to win. 
Like I just feel with Spag's defense, Andy Reid's offense, I feel like they are embracing this quote villain role and they're using it, whatever, you know, that sort of thing. And get ready. Actually, I'll say this for a prop bet. Um, But I just feel like it's going to come down to coaching. I feel like the 49ers, even though they're a one and a half, two, whatever it's at right now, favorite, they're under the most pressure. That feeds into Kansas City into this thing. I just, I've got more confidence in Kansas City right now with the players they have leading the way in that coaching staff. So I'm going Kansas City uh, 27-17 with, with my pick. So we're both riding the, the Chiefs train right now. Chefs. The Chefs. Great googly mugly. Want to do some prop bets? Sure. Let's do uh, now, depending on where you're listening to, they've got different lines here. So I'm just whatever's up here. National Anthem length. This is from uh, SportingNews.com. Over under 87 and a half. Seconds. Seconds. Yeah, minutes. Who is singing the National Anthem? I should know this. I should really know this. Um, it is. Is it? Yeah, Reba McIntyre. I, I, I knew she was singing something, but I yeah. didn't know what. So, okay. Over. I'm going to go over, too. Over. And I love me I love me some Reba, so I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I do. Did you like the show? Reba? I don't think I caught I always caught it like in syndication. Okay. It was all right. I liked Van in there. He was kind of funny. So, uh, <laughs> just uh, to watch you, you threw me for a loop on that question. <laughs> uh, coin toss. Will it be heads or will it be tails? Tails. I'll go heads. Uh, over, under, game total, 47.5. So, yeah, you got to do the math of the score that you Wow, have. mine's very close to that. <laughs> Mine was 46, or mine's 43. Yeah, mine's 44. So, so I guess I'm going under. I'm going under, too. Uh, first offensive play of the game, run or pass? Pass. Oh, pass, too. Why not? It's Brock Purdy, maybe a little quick one just to kind of settle the, the mojo there a little bit. Uh, will there be a score in the first six minutes and 59 seconds? No. I'll say yes. Field goal. Team to score first. I'll say Kansas City. I'm going 49ers. I think they get a field goal first. Uh, let's go. Okay, I don't like those other ones. So I got two prop bet things up here. So I'm going to go to some more fun ones, if you will. This is from uh, covers.com here. Uh, the Gatorade bath. Oh, what color? What color? Red. The you want to know the odds-on favorite right now? Yeah. Purple. Two seventy-five. Ooh, what's red at? Red slash pink's at three fifty uh, plus three fifty. Hammer the red slash pink. Red just makes too much sense. I know it does. So I'm gonna go yellow. I'm gonna go yellow. That's a uh, plus four twenty-five. So. Get some value on your Gatorade bath bet. Yep. Uh, okay, we did the coin toss. The Taylor Swift props. There we are. So this one is actually a little different. Actually, oh, I got. I can clip this here for more. Will Travis Kelsey propose? <laughs> wow. Yes. I was, I was, yes is at plus a twenty. No, according to FanDuel, minus two thousand. I think it is ridiculous that this is something you can bet on. I know, right? Um. We'll wait till I'm this next going one. to say no. Will Andy Reid mention Taylor Swift in his podium interviews? Yes, yes, he will. 
No, no. I'll say no and no. Uh, will the MVP mention Taylor Swift in his speech? Yes, because I'm going to say the MVP is Travis Kelsey. I'm going to say no uh, as well. Let's go. Will Andy Reid eat a cheeseburger? <laughs> oh, my God. Goodness, you had one that was uh, how many times she's shown? I, I, I right? had heard, I had heard. I think it was yesterday that some people were talking about like the amount of times like she has shown, like a camera shots, so, like yeah. boom, it's here, boom, it's away, boom, it's here would be two, yep. and it was five and a half. I'm gonna go over. I'm gonna go under, but I think uh, it's right at five. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna go over. I'll go under. I could see it where if like Kelsey's having an MVP game, like you say, yeah, a lot more. And, the, and, and if the Chiefs are getting dominated, you're gonna have Sad Taylor. Yeah, you know. But she could also sneak in there if there's like a Brittany Mahomes shot. Mm-hmm. And she's just, you know, because they're probably, if they're sitting by or, each other. Or if she's sitting next to Jason Kelsey. Who is sure less. Yeah, exactly. I want to see, I want, combine the two things. I want to see Jason Kelsey eating, sad eating a chicken strip. Because <laughs> the, the great Brittany Mahomes chicken strip picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, halftime show props over eight and a, over under eight and a half songs. Usher. Under. Now, see, these, they do the clips They do, they do here. like the medley, so. I'm going to go over. I'm going to go over eight and a half. Let's go. I think that's about it that I've got. Uh, so you did your Super Bowl MVP. You went with Kelsey. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. You know what? I'll do it because this is uh, Hudson, one of Hudson's favorite, favorite players. I'll go Isaiah Pacheco. There you go. I just don't want to go the way with. Uh, yeah, because I'm sure Mahomes is. Mm-hmm. Probably the leader in that. Let's go, Leo Chanel. Badger, get in there like a big defense. Like, hey, get, Malcolm get, Smith did it for the Seahawks. Get the Larry, get the Larry Brown Award. Yeah. Not only do you get the Super MVP, you get a bunch of money from the Raiders because you were a free agent right after that. Desmond Howard did that. Desmond, yeah. Remember that trend that Cash was always it out there. In. So, all right. Do we have any more that we want to do? Like, it's so hard to do commercial. Like. Over 100, how many commercials are you going to yeah. like? I mean, And we had this conversation off air, but in recent years, Super Bowl commercials have sucked. Yeah. They have not been good. Like, what's the last memorable one? Honestly, this is what I'm going to probably say, and I can't pick it, but I'll just say it's probably a Clydesdale one. Probably. Yeah. So, but like, yeah, it's just. I just. I and I get it's, no. you know, it's different. You know, obviously, so many things are different, but like. I just don't feel like there is that, ooh, what is this company going to do this year? Like, I, how, how do we not have any Tony Romo prop bets for this game? It's true. I don't know, Jim. <laughs> I, I'm surprised I haven't seen. There's got to be yeah. some Super Bowl prop bets with this. Isn't right? You're just gotta Googling be. Tony Romo prop bets? I did. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can find any here because we got a few minutes yet uh, to, to go with this thing. But... Oh God, we're not going more Swift's outfit, Taylor Swift's outfit. No. Nope. Um one uh one line, for example, wonders if he'll refer to his broadcast partner, Jim Nance, or Taylor Swift by name first. Another focuses on which Swift song he'll make his first reference to. <laughs> Bad Blood is currently the betting favorite with I was gonna say shake, shake it, it off, off yeah. close behind. Uh Romo and Nance also feature in another bat bet. Which one of them will say Taylor Swift's name first? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. I mean, the the things that you could come up for just to, to place I kinda, a bet I think, on. I think, like, a dream job would be to come up with the prop bets. Yeah, right? I, th- I feel like we should come up with our own prop bets. That could be a cool segment. Just some random crap. 
But then you, yeah, but you have to make sure you're paying attention then. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, like one would be kind of hard, but it'd be kind of fun. Like, okay, you're watching a Bucks game. How many times does one call says it all yeah. show up? You know? Yeah, like if you're, yeah. Or how many times, watching a National Bucks game, how many times does the announcer mispronounce onto the Kumpo? Mm-hmm. Yep. You'd really have to. It's almost like you're in pro football focus and you're making notes every single you're, time. You're, you're charting it. Yeah. So let's take a quick break, and I want to chat some brewers. Since we got Brandon here, I want to get his thoughts on uh, the latest with the Milwaukee Brewers coming up after these quick words. Are you thinking of taking a spring break trip this year? Or maybe you're already eyeing up that summer vacation, but you're not quite sure if you have the proper transportation for those road trips. Hey, that's where Toys and Ford can help you. Toys and Ford has a wide selection of new and used vehicles for you to check out. And at Toys and Ford, they treat you like an honored guest. They will work with you on financing no matter what your budget may be. So if you're looking for that new vehicle this year, head to Toys and Ford, located at 1000 Chippewa Crossing Boulevard in Chippewa Falls. We are always looking to save a little money in our pockets, but we still need our essentials like our grocery items. So how do you save money while also getting what you need for your family? Hy-Vee Perks. If you shop at Hy-Vee, you're already getting a great deal on quality items throughout the store. But now you can save more money with Hy-Vee Perks on different items each week. Saving some money is easy if you shop at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. So take advantage of these awesome deals and sales and stop on over at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire today. Gary Sanchez coming to the uh, to the Brewers catcher backup catcher DH a little bit more pop coming uh, coming here. I mean, last week we were the main topic of conversation was Corbin Burns. Uh, we're a little over a week from that now. Now they've brought in another player, another bat, Gary Sanchez to to put in with Reese Hoskins over there. What uh, now? I don't think we're going to get the Gary Sanchez that we got when he was with the Yankees and you know putting up thirty home runs, All Star, that sort of stuff there, but. Your thoughts on this move? You like it? Do you think he's going to play more DH at this point, or because I was reading Pat Murphy's, he did a Q and A with with the Journal Sentinel, and he was asked about the DH, and pretty much said we're not going to have a normal DH where it's just like one guy. You know, it's going to be Yelich, it's going to be Reese, it's going to be you know probably Sanchez into that. But your overall thoughts on on the Gary Sanchez signing? I think it was a move that the more I thought about it and kind of looked into it, I guess the more okay I felt with it because, you know, I don't think a lot of people expected kind of backup catcher to be a spot where the Brewers might, you know, quote-unquote splurge. Yeah. Uh, they had earlier in the offseason brought in Eric Eric Hase and mm-hmm. uh, Austin Nola on minor league deals, and those are two guys that have played a good chunk at the major league level, but you know, both coming off down season, so they're kind of a bit of bounce-back candidates. But uh, thinking about it, like looking at this kind of – window of Brewer's success, I think kind of one of the more under-talked-about things with it has been the production they've gotten over the years from the catcher spot, specifically both starters and reserves. Mm. You know, it kind of starts with Jonathan Lucroy when he kind of made his, you know, rise to become an all-star. You know, he gets traded away. Eventually, you end up with, you know, Manny Pena putting together a, a solid career. Remember the year that they were a game from the World Series, their catching duo was Manny Pena and Eric Kratz, which... You know, doesn't sound too you know overwhelmingly strong, but it was like both those players played really well. Mm-hmm. They got the they signed Yasmani Grandal in twenty nineteen. Omar Narvaez made an All Star game for him. I think it was twenty twenty one, and then you know the the move for William Contreras. And, and Victor even, Caratini was a solid. And Vic, yeah, and Victor. Yeah, Victor Caratini. I mean, Victor Caratini got himself a two year twelve million dollar contract from the Astros. Mm-hmm. So 
you know that that's just something it seems like in more recent years especially they've really valued so I guess you know that makes you know so it makes sense because I mean William Contreras as long as he's healthy is going to play you know 120 130 games something like that so it's not like there's a ton of those you know backup starts but he's also someone that you know you mentioned that DH you know he's someone that you know when he's not catching you know he's probably going to DH a good amount especially mm-hmm. if there's you know lefty of a lefty on the mound because he has lefty so well and and Gary Sanchez is someone that a quick glance at his kind of you know his career line isn't super great because you know he's he's a low 200s hitter but what he brings is something the Brewers do need and that's power you know last year he kind of had a bit of a resurgent year with or part most of the year with the Padres where you know for him kind of the number to keep an eye on is the OPS which mm-hmm. is OPS or which is on base plus slugging percentage and you know for him with the Padres it was close to 800 which okay well you know what's the context of that you know, last year Christian Yelich and uh, William Contreras were in the low 800s, and uh, Mark Hanna, who someone that played really, really well when he got called, you know, when he got traded over to the Brewers, his OPS was 800. So, you know, he's kind of in those ballpark. I mean, if you know, for what it's worth, if Gary Sanchez was on the Brewers last year, that OPS would be one of the best on the team. I mean, mm. which I get it. Does you know the Brewers offense wasn't super great, so it doesn't say a ton, but still, like it's right. it's a solid bat. It just looks. Different, like you know, it's not going to be you know two seventy average with you know three thirty on base and and then that OPS. Like mm-hmm. he's just someone that you know he just hits a lot of extra base hits and home runs when of the hits he gets. Mm-hmm. So in that way, it you know it made sense. I mean, certainly he is an upgrade over both of those you know previous guys I'd mentioned. Plus, you know, his defense had kind of taken a step in the right direction here in recent years and. We know the Brewers are able to work with catchers and kind of get them to be the best versions of themselves defensively, and I'm sure that's a big reason. You know, Gary Sanchez would take, you know, come to Milwaukee as opposed to maybe going somewhere where he could play a little more because he knows, hey, if I have a good year, you know, defensively and offensively, I could probably cash in next offseason with a multi-year deal somewhere else. Right. Uh, also, a little bit earlier, but uh, Jacob Junis uh, signing over another starter uh, or maybe a starter bullpen that. Kind of, I almost call it like an Adrian Hauser type of role. Yeah, Adrian Hauser, Colin Ray, just yeah. a guy that can start, a guy that can relieve, and you know he's someone that I don't know if it's just like his pitch makeup, but it reminds me a little bit of Ulysses scene. Okay, because I did see you say the slider thing. In, yeah, because because last year he throws a ton of sliders, which was Chassin's thing when he was with the Brewers in the you know the late twenty tens, and. He's someone that kind of remade his pitch mix in the last few years, more sinker slider now, and that slider is really, really good, and he throws it off. And so, you know, he's going to be a guy that, yeah, he could, you know, he could make the rotation. He could, you know, be the kind of the longer lever. But we, you know at some point he's going to make starts. Like, you can whatever your rotation is on opening day, you can plan on another three, four, or five guys that are making starts at some point because of injuries and other things. Mm-hmm. So, but he's someone, obviously, they want kind of in that, you know, pitcher group. And you know it's you know as far as a one year deal goes, I mean, you know, you could certainly do worse. Like I, I get it. There's you know you've got kind of the people you expect, but there's also going to be other guys, and you know, kind of work their way. And especially as the year year goes on, mm-hmm. you know, maybe some of the younger guys that they have. So you know it it it, it, made, it made sense. It may not have, you know I'm sure there were people that you know other people were looking for, and that's probably not someone who's you know out there because he's not a very known player but right. you know the last few years he's kind of excelled in that swingman role i uh i think it was kurt hogg who covers the brewers for the journal sentinel hit tweet he's like you know 
earlier in the offseason, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, earlier in the offseason, you know, Jacob Junis just screamed to him like a Rays player. Yeah. Well, you look at Matt Arnold is yeah. a lot of Rays pedigree, and you kind of look at how the Brewers and maybe the Rays kind of build teams, and it makes more sense when yeah. you put it. Yeah, in that and I think that's you know that kind of statement is a is a compliment for somebody, mm-hmm. you know, for a team. Right. Because obviously they're very savvy at kind of being able to pluck those guys and you know get good production out of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, how big of a fan graphs are are you? Is that something you pay attention to? Because I know they've got some, and I got to follow up to this, but you know they got some season projections coming up here. Yeah, I mean, is that something you kind of watch? Do you do you think little, they're fairly a accurate? Bit, a little bit. I do know that you know because there's different projection systems with you know kind of the one fan graphs put out and Picota is another big one that you hear about with people and. You know, I, I know that the last several years, the Brewers have been able to usually outperform those projections a fair amount. Okay. So, um, but it's, and generally projections, be it like, you know, how's, you know, what's the team's record going to be versus, you know, what, you know, players individually may do with certain projection systems usually are a little more conservative. Like, you're not going to find a projection system that says, like, the Dodgers are going to win 110 games. Mm-hmm. You know, they might, but... You know, or this team's going to be, you know, be uh, the Oakland A's are going to, you know, be awful and win forty games, kind right. of thing. But yeah, I mean, it's just I think it's something you you take with more, a little bit more than a grain of salt. Yep. But you know, you just kind of put it in the in the in the in the memory bank. So did you see some of them yesterday? Some okay, of, so yeah. uh, did you see Yelich's? A little bit, yeah. So yeah. they've got him at twenty-one home runs, ninety-eight runs, tied for tenth in the National League, twenty-three stolen bases. Uh, on base percentage of a 363 10th in the National League, OPS 794. If Yelich hits those marks, is that a good season for Yelich in your I think your that's vote? fine. That's fine. It's not like great, but mm-hmm. I think especially then the, the number of games too. But with the you know the home runs and the steals we mentioned, that means he's probably playing a pretty full year. Mm-hmm. So still at maybe lead off with those runs up there too. You I think, think so. I'm kind of curious though, and we'll know once we get to spring training. But if they might be a, a little bit tempted to maybe try to move him to like back to the three spot because just you know you got all that speed at the top, right? Don't you? It's true, like, but you. I mean, you could throw someone like Sal Freilich up there, who was a big on base guy too. Yeah, and doesn't bring quite the power. I mean, you can tell Christian Yelich, hey, keep the same approach you had. Mm-hmm. Just you know, you you know, it, they're kind of in a spot where you know, assuming you have Reese Hoskins back cleanup, you're going to have William Contreras, you know, somewhere in that top three or four. Like yeah. if you put Contreras at two again, like if you know, maybe you go Freelick lead off because again, he does have really good on base skills; so he can steal bases. Mm-hmm. And then you go with Yelich, who has more power at the three spot. If you're if you're you know trying to really make sure you alternate those lefties and righties, which you know Craig Council like to do, you know, right. we'll, we'll see how you know Pat Murphy feels about that, but. Right. You know, he's someone that he's. I mean, he's gonna be hitting the top three in the lineup somewhere. You know, the and, name you haven't mentioned though is Jackson Cheerio, and I know it's still kind of young, but like, ideally, where is he at in that lineup if he's hitting on all cylinders? Um, I think the way it goes early on, you can kind of afford to you know play him down towards the bottom, and that's yeah. just more so of a you know letting a young guy settle in. You know, you don't want to necessarily throw him in there and say, hey, you're you know you're batting third or you're right. batting fourth right away. I mean, you can always make that change if he's showing he's up for it, but right. you know, you, I think you have enough other. You know, slightly more proven commodities in like a Freelick, or much more so with the you know, the Yelichs and the Contreras and the Hoskinses of the world. That mm-hmm. you know, you don't necessarily have to have him, mm-hmm. you know, bat in a premium spot right away. You can let him kind of come along at his own pace. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's kind of uh, so. The question I threw out a couple of days ago, and, and I want to get your thoughts because again, you you're my Brewers guy. Okay, 
with these moves that we have seen this offseason, Jackson Cheerio, huge contract. We haven't even seen him in the major leagues yet, barely in the AAA. Corbin getting traded. Reese Hoskins signing. Um, what are your expectations? When, when you look at this, like for, for me, it's kind of similar to Green Bay where I came in like, I don't know what to expect. I'm just going to kind of, you know, go with the flow, and then it ended up being better than I than I thought. Mm-hmm. It answered some questions, okay? It answered the Jordan Love question, you know, is he going to be the guy? There's some parallels to me, personally, for, for the Green Bay one. You know, I don't know if we'll know if Jackson's going to be the guy after this year or anything like that, but it's got you got youth movement coming in, mixed in with some veterans over there, too. But when you look as we get closer to spring training and pitchers and catchers under two weeks away, how are you approaching this season? I think that, I mean, obviously... And not to cut you off, but especially, too, with the division still, not a lot of teams making moves. Right, and I think what you kind of mentioned with the Packers, obviously I'm not a Packer fan, but I think that's a, a kind of a good way to look at it. And, and, and I guess similar for me in that, like, I'm not entirely sure, but it, like, you can see a path where they could be successful, mm-hmm. but you—I mean, you can also see a path where they're not. But you mentioned the division too; like, no one has really kind of taken hold and you know, at least in the off season for what that's worth, and said, "Hey, you know, we, you know, this, we want this to be ours." Like, right. the Reds bring back a good amount of young talent. It's going to come down for them their pitching, just mm-hmm. like it did last year. You know, the Cardinals may change. Yeah, they had some veteran starters, but you know guys that are probably closer to the end of their career than the front of it. Mm-hmm. And the Cubs, you know, their big move of the offseason so far is Craig Council. I mean, mm-hmm. outside of that and signing Hector Neris, they haven't really done much. Mm-hmm. So, and then, you know, the Pirates are kind of, you know, there. I think they'll be better. But, you know, I think right now all those five teams, the Pirates are probably the fifth one. But it's still pretty close between all of them. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, go into, I would go into spring training saying, you know, hey, I'm excited to see what, you know, kind of a younger roster can do. And yeah, I mean, I think there's a wider range of outcomes. Mm-hmm. You know, I could see it clicking. I could see this, you know, in in, the, in a perfect world being, you know, similar to kind of the Diamondbacks last year, where the, you know the Diamondbacks were a team not really people didn't really expect too much of that because they had a lot of younger talent and the division and it, they were in and the division and it clicked for them. Yeah. And obviously, the the postseason run kind of I'll say it overshadows a little bit the fact that they were uh, you know a lower wild card team. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a path that could work. There's a path where maybe it's a step back. And by July, you know, a couple veterans are moved. Mm -hmm. But, you know, to me, just in general, like kind of obviously a lot of people are going to point to the Corbin Burns thing. But for me, I think the the big pivot point for this team was Brandon Woodruff's injury. Mm. Because I think if... You know, assuming it's not, it wasn't serious and, you know, he would be ready to pitch in this next year, like... I don't think people are necessarily as bummed you traded Corbin Burns because then your top of your rotation is still Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta. Let me ask you this, though, too, since you brought it up. If Brandon Woodruff is healthy and he's playing, do they trade Burns? I I still think they could have. Like, okay. Because I, 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 I think you would still felt pretty good about your rotation. I, I, and at the time, even, I thought that Brandon Woodruff was still maybe more of a candidate to re-sign with the Brewer, you know, to get in the an extension with the Brewers and Burns because right. I don't think he would have been asking for as much money. Mm-hmm. But, you know, unfortunately, you know, we can't live in the, you know, the, you know, the, the world of what, what if, what if yeah, so, yeah. but I, I'm ex, I'm ex, I mean, I'm always going to be excited, but I'm intri- I'm more intrigued just to see how it looks because for the first time in a while with the Brewers, it's just going to look different. 
Yeah. It's going to look different, you know, on the on the bench with the coaching staff, you know, mm-hmm. with Pat Murphy and Ricky Weeks in their new spots. Mm-hmm. It's going to look different with this offense, which now has a lot of younger guys. It's going to look very different in the starting rotation. You know, and that's – I'm not saying it's going to be better, but it's – that's going to be very interesting because we've – And that of, provides some excitement, though, too, it does, right? because you, you just know. don't know. Like, right. And, you know, the last few years – a lot of the core pieces for this team have been largely the same, mm-hmm. and we've kind of seen, you know, to what extent I'm not, what that could do. You know, there was there was success, but there wasn't you know as much success as many people would have liked. So now you know you're kind of you know shuffling the deck a little bit. Right. Yeah. It's it it, it and that's where that excite that unknown but yet excitement is kind of where I go back to to the Green Bay thing. Like I didn't know what the hell to expect. You know, but it kind of gave you a little bit of an excitement too, like I, I you know, surprise factor to it. Yeah, yeah, there was frustrating moments, no doubt about it. But then when you look back at it, it's kind of like, yeah, it was pretty good. I would love to ask Matt Arnold since you brought up Brandon Woodruff, like that injury. How much did it like go into their philosophy for this offseason? Right, and and he, you know, he he may not flat out say it right. did. You know how much take him did. to the bar and have a couple, and then let him. Yeah, you know, just <laughs> in passing because yep. you know, where you know you would get a legitimate answer because. Uh, I think it was much more important than maybe some people want to lead on because that's mm-hmm. yeah because remember he's still not signed like yeah. that injury it's a pretty significant one like at some point I'm sure he'll ink like a two year deal with a team that's basically saying hey you know we'll, we're gonna bring you in we're gonna pay you for this year but you know it's all about rehab and mm-hmm. maybe at the end of the year you can throw a few innings but it's really about 2025 right and even like. Even though that injury is significant, there's not a super great recovery rate. I wouldn't mind seeing the Brewers try that just mm-hmm. to see. But I'm sure there's a lot of other teams that are in that same boat. Get them in their uh, famous pitching lab. Yeah, and, and for I don't know for Woodruff it's necessarily the lab. It's just getting him healthy again, like right. you know, getting that peace of mind for him and his family that he knows, like, okay, I'm you know, I'm not kind of out here fending for myself. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's it's interesting to kind of think about. And the, I think the other thing, quickly with the Brewers, too, that's interesting and exciting is obviously you have this young group of talent, but you still have more that are pretty close too. You know, we'll see when Churio's up, but mm-hmm. you know, Tyler Black hasn't played at the majors yet. Jefferson Caro is a catcher who now you know is going to definitely seem start the year at AAA, and you know he could be at the end of the year, depending on how it goes. If not next year, like you know, this is a Brewers farm system that's you know. Pretty well universally ranked as one of the best in the majors. Keith Law from the Athletic had has it at the second, you know, the second best behind the Orioles, Orioles who yeah. are even with that, you know, Corbin Burns are still very good. Yeah. So you've got a bunch of other guys that are, you know, a year from now will probably be with the team. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's it's kind of that next wave, right? Kind of is it similar? Would you say to? The 08 kind of where the kind of I mean bit? yeah I mean obviously that's you know. It's different because I think there's a little bit more in the way of pitching. Right. That one was, you know, pretty much all hitters. Right. But, you know, besides the Amani Gallardo. But, yeah, a little bit like that. I mean, you have – those guys were – I mean, they seem like those were more – like all those guys feel – well, at least the top guys like Fielder, Weeks, and Braun, they're all first-round picks. Mm -hmm. Of course, Hart wasn't. But, you know, in this one, some of them are. What was Hardy? Was he a first-round pick? I don't think he was. Okay. But, you know, some of these other guys like Freelich was and – Mitchell was, right. but you know some other guys like you know like Jacob Mizorowski, you know he was he wasn't, but that he was a guy that like 
basically, if he was his plan, because the Brewers picked him in junior college and he signed with them. Otherwise, like the plan was going to be for him to go, I think, to LSU, which obviously is a baseball powerhouse. Right. And I think there was a discussion where, like, if he would have did that and then gotten drafted again based on what he's shown, he would have been a top ten, top fifteen pick, just because of his talent. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, there's going to be some unknown, but you know, I think that's also exciting. Right. All right, that's going to do it for us on this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Brought to you by Hy-V and Toyson Ford. Big thanks for tuning in to this episode. Don't forget, if you got a few seconds to give us a five-star rating on Apple and Spotify and a positive review on Apple so others can find the podcast. Big thanks to Brandon for joining me on this episode. Enjoy the Super Bowl this weekend. We'll recap it on the next episode of the Man Cave Podcast.